step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Morning has turned to afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. But the grind carries on. Not just the grind physically, but the grind mentally. The Midday Grind, featuring a couple of TV jockeys who've also been through the radio wars. <laughs> Serious? Martin Kilcoin. I was a little lit, so I was saying whatever I wanted. And Charlie Marlowe. Our top story tonight, John Jay will be back tomorrow. Here's him getting a hit in 2012. It's the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Five ninety, the fan midday grind Friday edition here noon to one Kirkwood Studios. I know Charlie how you think. I do know how you think. Okay, here we go. And typically you would say, "Hey, it's Friday. Let's just sort. Of, <laughs> let's just sort of mail it in." And then we get to Monday, and he's like, "Ah, it's Monday. We should sort of mail it in." But we have just been rocking and rolling from post slop. So really, from about eleven twenty on, I was listening the whole time because I was running errands, great guests. And it continues. Jim Hazlitt bringing heat, having fun talking about the Rams and Saints, the uh, the glory days of that division rival, which they used to be, former head coach of both teams. And then Joe Lenardi, a little college basketball breakdown. He's in town, slew hosting St. Joe's tonight. Gratuitous Marquette plug, likes that team, sees a deep run coming. And now in studio, Chuck's my guy. I said, I'm going to get a football guest who's also a former Buckeye from the is it the Ohio State or the is it the the the, the Ohio State University St. Louis <laughs> his own Butler Benote went to Vashon then Ohio State played in the NFL World League Arena League XFL we got a lot of ground to cover Butler thanks for being here thanks for having me guys Charlie can go toe to toe if you want in terms of Buckeye history but I think what's incredible is when you were there let's name some of the names you were there teammates that played at the next level. Well, let's, uh, we got to start at, at the top with uh, Orlando Pace, uh, Eddie George, Joy Galloway, Chris Sanders, Terry Glenn. Uh, let's see, Alonzo Spellman, Dan Wilkerson. Big Daddy. Raymond Ray Harris. Raymond Harris, Robert Smith. Okay, you guys should have won some national championships. Yeah, yeah, right, right, you would think that we would want a couple of national championships. <laughs> and so uh, at that time, you know, Ohio State was just kind of really getting back on on top of the Big Ten, and so, but we had a tremendous head coach in John Cooper that recruited extremely, extremely well outside of the state. But his thing again was to always put a, a fence around Ohio. If you if you played football in Ohio, you know, and you grew up in Ohio, you knew very well that they were going to try to get all the Ohio guys. But he knew in order to do uh, what he needed to do on the national state, he had to go outside of the state and get some other guys like myself. All right, and tell us the story. You're being recruited. You got options now. You're considering right. a lot of. Okay, name some of the schools you're considering, and then tell us about the visit by the Buckeyes. All right, so I, uh, again, you know, coming from St. Louis, and I went to Vashon High School, so 
for me, it was a big deal to just be able to get out of St. Louis. And so one of the things that I want to do is make sure I took my five official visits. And so uh, I was a diehard Nebraska fan because back then, you know, ESPN was not as as as, as wide as it, as it is now. And so it was just regional. So I, lo- I saw Big Ten, foot, Big Eight football with uh, Nebraska and Oklahoma. So Nebraska and Oklahoma were two of my visits. I went to Ohio State, uh, UCLA, and the University of Tennessee. And so, uh, but again, being a diehard Nebraska fan, I wanted to wear that N on the side of my helmet and, you know, send <laughs> Nebraska and Oklahoma go at it every year. And, uh, and so I went actually to Nebraska first because I just kind of had in my mind that I was going to just take that visit, take the rest of my visit, and I'll commit to, to Nebraska and it'll be over with. But when I got to Nebraska, uh, I was kind of a, a culture shock for me coming from the inner city. And when Lincoln I Lincoln doesn't look at all like yeah, downtown St. Louis. Yeah, I mean not. I mean <laughs> you can see downtown the stadium, uh, you know, a cornfield all in one shot. And so for me, it was kind of like, wow, you know, is this it? You know, is this the the great school of Nebraska that I will always see uh, on on the TV? And so I was kind of a little bit discouraged about that. But then when I actually went back home, my very next visit was to Columbus, and I mean it was a complete uh, contrast of I mean uh, of style of recruiting uh, just the city itself, just the ride from the airport was uh, completely different because I'm like, wow, this is actually a major city. And so not just a college town. And so right off, right off the bat, they, it, it was a, it was a very, very impressive, impressive visit. And one, by the time that I got to uh, the, the facilities, I, w- I was overwhelmed because I passed by the stadium. I saw the campus and they actually took me into a classroom and all those different things. So I was able to see some of the students, uh, in in their element but Wait a minute they take kids to the classroom on these visits what well, well, great back, academic what back then i mean it was more you know academically driven you know now it's all you know sports driven for the most part but it was kind of a funny story because when again growing up in in st louis you know i was just used to seeing the big eight football and they took me to the trophy case and all those different things and so uh they asked there was a big picture of coach up, up at the top and they said do you know who that is and i'm like no who is that and they was like uh that's Woody Hayes. And it was like, you ever heard of Woody Hayes? I'm like, no, never heard of him. <laughs> uh oh. You know, right. So, you know, then they take me a, a, a couple feet further, show me the Heisman Trophy. It's like, oh, yeah, I know about the Heisman Trophy. They said, you know, we got the only two time Heisman Trophy winner. I was like, who is that? And they were like, <laughs> Archie Griffin. I'm like, yeah, never heard of him either. They was like, are you sure you play football? You know, like, <laughs> I'm here on this football visit. And so, uh, but the rest was, was history because the time that I actually met the players. Uh, the time they took me into the dorm room from that moment, it, it was just a magical experience for me uh, because the guys that were redshirted at the time in the dorms, not playing, getting ready to go into winter conditioning and things like that, they were talking about beating Michigan or beating the team up north, as we call it. You know, and I mean, and it was just for me, it was fascinating because when I went to Nebraska, you know, you got guys that are not playing, that are complaining that they're not playing, they're going to transfer to a different school and whatnot. But those guys that were all red-shirted, that's all they talked about is they cannot wait to get on the field to beat Michigan. And so I was just so impressed by that. And, um, you know, and, you know, some more things, you know, went to the to parties and all that. But it was those guys that were so, so excited to get to winter conditioning, to get bigger to stronger because they, I think they had just lost to Michigan. And so it was uh, one of those things. And that in itself kind of uh, hit the the precursor for me 
to the rivalry game because you know that that's all they were talking about in the dorm was was University of Michigan. But then tell Charlie they're at your house, right? Mm -hmm. They're recruiting you now. You've had the visit. They oh really, yeah. So they're at. <laughs> so what happened? <laughs> so uh, before to get to even get to the visit, uh, you know, again, I kind of shared with you so far that I didn't really know a lot about Big Ten football besides Iowa and Michigan because it was Midwest. And so I didn't really, really didn't hear a lot about Ohio State. So uh, the recruiter, Bobby Turner is his name. And so he was a running back coach. He's my recruiter, great, tremendous coach, uh, coach in the NFL for several different different teams and for many years. And uh, he was my recruiter, came into the room and said, hey, you know, we're offering two scholarships at running back. Uh, we only talking to three guys. You're the only guy that's out of state. And those guys were Ricky, Ricky Powers that ended up going to the team up north and Robert Smith, who ended up coming to Ohio State. And he said, you're the only other guy that we're, we're offering at this position. And so, you know, me being this this 17-year-old, think I'm a big-shot kid, uh, being recruited by all these schools in the country, uh, I told the the guy, the recruiter, Bobby Tarn, I said, yeah, you know, it's kind of the same thing I hear, you know, from other schools, you know, I'll, I'll – <laughs> I'll uh, I'll think about it. You know, I'll get back with you. Thanks for your time. Right, I'll think right, about right. it. I'll get back to you. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. And so my my uncle, who grew up uh, knowing who Ohio State was, grew up in the seventies. Uh, we closed the door, and uh, he looked at me. He said, "Are you crazy?" You know, and I'm just like, you know what? You know what? What do you mean? He's like, you don't tell Ohio State that you would think about it. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, who's Ohio State? And he said, you go outside right now. And you tell that guy that you're going to make a Ohio State one of your official visits. And so uh, – You chased the guy out to his car. Chased him to his I've been car. doing some thinking. Right. I thought about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was probably all a span of like three minutes, right, between the time he left and walked out because he was actually still putting his equipment into his car in the trunk. And so I'll never forget it. He was still loading it. And I said, you know, hey, I thought about it. I talked to my family. And, you know, I think I'm going to make Ohio State one of my visits. And so he was like, yeah, I was kind of wondering, you know – you know, why you said you think about it. But, you know, at the time, again, I just didn't know uh, the magnitude that, one, the Big Ten had, but just more specifically that Ohio State had and, and, and that presence in the Big Ten. Is it mind-blowing to you that basically since Jim Trestle got there and then into Urban Meyer that Ohio State never loses basically to Michigan now? Because I'm looking – and look, I'm born in 1982. So I grew up in the John Cooper era – Mid nineties, it seemed like every year Ohio State's eleven and zero, and Michigan's about eight and three, and they would win mm -hmm. every single year the Biakabatuka game and all that. And I'm looking, you know, eighty eight to ninety three, Michigan wins five of those, and there's a tie, and and you're yeah. playing during that era, and now it's totally a one eighty, totally completely different. And, and so the one tie, I was a part of that one tie, and it was almost <laughs> like it was a victory because we had lost so many games, uh, but. You know, the the fact that people don't really understand the rivalry game, as we call it, the magnitude of it. And so it is a big, big deal. And so for us to lose that many, again, I I lost three in the four years that I was there and tied once. And then to see the run that Ohio State uh, made after that is, is absolutely incredible because it just normally doesn't happen like that. But then again, it happened in waves when they had bowl and – uh, the the other guy that was there as well. And so to see them do it the way they are doing it now is tremendous. And, you know, there's kind of a small joke with us, the guys that play, to say we own uh, real estate in Ann Arbor, you know, and it's called the big house, you know, <laughs> so because we feel like we kind of own uh, the rivalry game right now. So, but it, it's, it's always good to see because they, they have tremendous players, a tremendous program, uh, but it's just, it, it's a different, it's a different animal.
Butler Benote uh, in studio with us. Played at Ohio State. We've established that, Charlie. Are you good now? Have you got enough scarlet and gray there? 100%. You're and good? look, look, I talk about the Buckeyes all the time. Martin set this yeah. up, so all the uh, the listeners don't blame me because they complain that I talk too much about the Buckeyes. No, but right, this right. this is right. this goes beyond the Buckeyes. We're talking football. Championship Sunday, we got two great games, the four best teams still standing, and Butler did some TV work at the Big Ten Network, NFL, World League, Arena League, XFL. This guy has played the game. Let's start in Kansas City. I know it's the later game, but it's more local here. Uh, the weather, to me, is not a story. New England's a cold-weather team. Kansas City's played in cold weather before. How do you think, offensively, this game plays out? Is it a shootout? Can the Chiefs be slowed down? The, the genius that Bill Belichick is, and I think he is, do you think they have a way to get to Mahomes and slow him down? Uh, absolutely. I mean, anytime you give Bill Belichick any amount of time to prepare for somebody, you're going to have what you see is normally like an offensive fire show or firework production is going to be reduced down to not almost half, but maybe a quarter of that. So I wouldn't say that I would think it's a shootout. And then when you think about that these two teams met earlier in the season and it was a shootout, they're going to go back, they're going to look at the, that film, see what they did well, see what they didn't do well, come back with a different scheme and try to anticipate what they can do better to slow that team down. Now, the one thing I will say that Bill Belichick does that's that's unlike anybody else that kind of makes him who he is. Now, mind you, this guy is Bill – I'm sorry, Bill Belichick is Nick Saban's mentor. So just put that in perspective, that, that <laughs> Nick Saban goes to Bill Belichick for advice and, and things like that. So when you have a guy like that, it, it changes the game. And, and players know it, coaches know it. But when you think about what he did with the greatest show on turf when he played, uh, when they played the Rams, the one thing that he did, he took one of the the best pieces for the Rams and tried to slow that down, and that's probably what he's going to do. But all the weapons they have, Kelsey, the receivers outside, Mahomes, he's going to try to slow down. And I would anticipate that he's probably going to try to slow Kelsey the tight end down because he can hurt you the most in the middle field against those linebackers. So what he's probably going to do is try to jam that guy up on the line of scrimmage, let, not let him get a, a free release, which is going to make Mahomes go to one of those other guys, and they'll adjust from that. And he's such a uh, in-game adjuster that it's kind of hard to always stay and, and be on top. So I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be one of those games that's going to be kind of a grinded out. Who can run the football uh, a, a little bit more and better and more efficient than the other team? Uh, Kansas City has a great running game. People just kind of gets overshadowed a little bit because of, of the receiver in Mahomes and, and their wide-open offense. And New England can run the ball efficiently as well. But, again, you, you combine Belichick with Tom Brady, who's great at, at picking picking teams apart because there's no defense that you're actually going to be able to throw at him that he doesn't see. Uh, he's great at making decisions and getting the football out before three seconds. But they Kansas City is going to have to pressure him up the middle disguise their defenses just a little bit, and challenge every throw. And those are the teams that have had success against New England. All right, here's a question, Chuck. Do you think the Patriots really believe that they're underdogs and that they're this poorly – Tom Brady's been selling that, like, hey, everybody thinks we suck. We're there. I think it's the most ridiculous sports premise I've heard in a long time. The poor little Patriots. Nobody thinks they're any good. Do you think in that room they really believe that? No, not at all. It is kind of crazy, though, because I feel like – Butler, don't you think in the media that for the last even maybe six, seven years, and we've seen the Patriots recently, it seems like they always start out lately kind of slow. Maybe they're one and two, whatever it is. They have some struggles on the road. 
But then they get back to Gillette all of a sudden, and they have the game where they just go off, and it kind of wakes everybody up. And that's why, even if you were to bet against the Patriots, do you ever feel good about betting against Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, in the postseason, in the weather, because they're they're like the evil empire. It, it, that's not a safe bet, you know. It, it's you never not, feel good about it. Never. And even though I, I'm pulling for Kansas City because, uh, you know, obviously they're a Missouri team, and I just think that they're they're doing a pretty good job this year. It's still very hard to go against New England. And one of the reasons why they struggle early on because New England has a system, right? So they have the system, but no one guy besides Tom Brady is bigger than the system. And so early on, they they have a lot of moving pieces throughout the offseason. So they have a system. They let guys go. They don't pay a whole bunch of money to guys. So they always have guys coming in and out of that system. And so systematically, they have what they want to do. They put guys into that system that work for them. They don't, they don't spend a lot of money in free agency because they feel like they can go get guys that can fit into their system. But they struggle early on because now those new guys are trying to fit into that system. And so you see them lose one or two games and they kind of struggle. But then by the time you get to week four or five, they're hitting their stride because now these guys have had some game experience. They're now been in, into the fire and been able to kind of see the, the bullets live and being, been able to adjust to the system when somebody's coming at them. And now they're starting to take off. And so that's kind of that's the way they've done it. You know, it's worked for them, obviously. And, and again, when you have a guy like Tom Brady that can pick any defensive part and a, and a and a great brain in Bill Belichick, it just makes for a very, very hard thing to kind of go against. How do you stop them, you think? Because you're watching them last week. You got Joey Bosa, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, another Buckeye, trying to get to Tom well, imagine Brady. that. He just, his, <laughs> deep, his breakdown yeah, started with a plug. Buckeye. That just happened it's to be a coincidence. Plug. That's right. <laughs> but you're watching that game. Is there an overrated linebacker from OSU on oh, any of these teams? He's always could... talking Laurinaitis here. Oh, no, man. no. Oh, wow. Hey, we'll get to <laughs> that later. Moyer. But, uh, well, he got hurt. But I'm watching that game. I'm watching that game. And early on especially, New England is just marching down the field. They're running the ball with Sony Michelle. They're throwing little dump-offs to James White. They're throwing quick slants. Bosa and the pass rushers can't get to Tom Brady. They're doing screen passes. Mm-hmm. How do you stop that? Because it's not like they're pushing the ball 30 yards down the field. He's getting rid of the ball so quickly, the rush can't get to him. It seems like just seven yards, eight yards at a time, that would be very difficult to stop when that thing's clicking. Yeah, it, it's difficult. And, and like you mentioned, you mentioned a lot of different guys there. And, and most of the times when we think about Tom Brady and the New England offense, downfield, vertical passing game, bombs and things like that, but they adjust. They don't really have that downfield guy as as much as they probably have had in the past. But what they do is they take what you what you give them. And so again, you met. I think when we watched the game, the first five or six passes went to the running back, and San Diego, the Chargers, never made an adjustment. And so then, as soon as you try to adjust to the running back, then they're going to go to maybe Gronk or they're going to do something different. And the thing that makes the Patriots so hard to defend is because Brady, number one, he he knows all the defenses. He's there's not you can't disguise. He's going to look at the front and all those different things, and he get gets rid of the ball so quickly that. It's almost like he ever rarely makes a mistake when you talk about throwing the football. Now, when you play zone, which is some of what they were doing, you're going to get picked apart. And and so the teams that have had the most success is they come up, they challenge all the receivers, play bump and run and and play man-to-man coverage, and then you make him make a good tight throw into a very challenged one-on-one receiver and and defensive back matchup 
and then you live with that 50-50. But what they do in, to adjust that is they throw out routes. They throw corner routes. Because now if you're playing man-to-man, the defender, the, the linebacker, or the cornerback is shaded inside to take away the quick slant. But then that leaves you vulnerable to outbreaking routes. So you'll notice that as soon as teams go to man-to-man, they make that adjustment. They start throwing out routes. They start throwing corner routes. Then you adjust again to zone. Then they come right back. So it's one of those things where they know they kind of kind of stay ahead of the game, but you have to just stick with your game plan. And one thing that I think Atlanta Falcons, Falcons did really, really well, they end up losing the game, obviously, but they challenged Tom Brady with just playing man-to-man, one high safety. Sometimes you play cover zero with no safeties, and then you blitz him up the middle. You have to send pressure up the middle because if you send it from the outside, he'll step up and still make their throw. Butler Benote in studio with us, 590 The Fan, Martin and Chuck here till 1 o'clock. Um, I said this earlier, we always crush the Patriots because Belichick is boring, and maybe we're just kind of sick <laughs> of seeing them. But if you think back, they tend to bring us these really entertaining Super Bowls, the Atlanta game, the comeback, the Eagles game last year, the Seattle last-second interception, beating the Rams was a last-second field goal. Carolina, I think they beat them in overtime. So even though we're sick of them, if you look at their Super Bowl history, for the most part, they've brought us some pretty entertaining games. Now, what's the gut here? Do you think the Chiefs get it done, or do the Patriots win again? Uh, I, I've, waffled all, I've waffled all week. I think I'm Me now – I'm kind of thinking New England's going to do it to Kansas City. I feel bad for that fan base. I just – I have a feeling Belichick, his resume versus Andy Reid's at this time of year, yeah. I just have a feeling New England finds a way. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if New England wins. I mean, you know, obviously nobody would probably be surprised. A lot of people don't doesn't want uh, New England to, to advance, obviously, because they've been there for so many times. But I just believe this year it's going to be different. For some reason, I think that Andy Reid and the Chiefs have, have, have what it takes. I think they have a defense that's hungry. I think they're hearing all this as well, all the talk. And I think they finally have some guys because, I, by the way, I think this is probably the best team that Andy Reid has had. Uh, uh, up to date because, you know, he has a good defense. Uh, he has some playmakers. He has an outstanding young quarterback. And, and I just believe that they will be able to make those adjustments. Uh, they have too many weapons on the on the offensive side of the ball, tight end, receiver, running back, quarterback. Uh, and the key is how well will they be able to run the football? Uh, because, you know, again, it's going to be a cold-weather game. Uh, can they make the adjustments? And that, and that, to me, that's the key. Can Andy Reid make those adjustments on the fly? Because we know Belichick's going to make them. We know that Tom Brady's going to make them. Can Andy Reid and Mahomes make those type of uh, adjustments, like in-game adjustments? And I think they finally have a quarterback that can do that. And particularly, I mean, when a play, play breaks down, he can hurt you and in, in improvise like nobody else. What about the NFC Championship on Fox 2, of course? Saints, Drew Brees just turned 40. The Rams... They left us. We don't like Kroenke. We don't like Kevin Demoff, but everybody else, the players, you know, Sean McVay is a hell of a coach, obviously. What do you think the keys to that game in terms of who gets the win? Uh, again, I think running the football. For me, I, I think the Saints are, have, has the edge because they, again, a hungry team. They've been in this, this situation before. They were, lost a, a heartbreaker <laughs> last year in the NFC Championship game, and I think these guys – have really, really made that their mantra for this year to come back to this point and, and actually take care of business. And then you, everybody's talking about the wonder, the wonder kid and how smart Sean McVay is. Well, Sean Payton is a very pretty smart, you know, and very innovative himself. So uh, I, I just think that when you look at all the uh, the the talent that they have on the offensive side of the ball, 
uh, with the receivers and Drew Brees, Drew Brees. I think the matchup is better in favor New Orleans and their home, you know, and they have that home crowd. Uh, so, so the Rams are going to have to really run the football efficiently. And, and but one thing that is 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 good to know that they have actually run the football better away from home and in, in away games, which lets me know that Sean McVay knows that he needs to run the football. But I think the 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 Saints are just too talented. I mean, I think maybe the the Rams are maybe a year away, and 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 this is again not a. Ohio State plug. I was going to say. Here we go. I knew it. I knew it. There's a lot of Buckeyes. There's a lot of Buckeyes on the team. You know, so I didn't even mention it. Is there anybody the in their front office that went there? It's weird. They, I mean, they get everybody that played yeah. at Ohio State. And yeah. so even Lauren Ida said, got a cup of coffee at the end, was in New Orleans. Best receiver maybe in the game, Ohio State. All of these guys in New Orleans. What's the connection? But yeah. We used to complain here about Les Snead always bringing Auburn, Auburn guys. To be fair, some of them were not very good. Correct. Now, look, if you want to complain about too many Buckeyes, but the Saints' best players are Buckeyes. Marshawn Lattimore is their best DB. Michael Thomas is their best wide receiver. So I don't think you can complain about right, that. Right. This is true. And by the way, the Rams playing on the road is not a problem. Every home game is like a road game. So they're used to it, having that kind of crowd. Yeah. Butler, we should tell folks you're working for uh, public schools, city of St. Louis. Yes, currently, St. Saint, Saint Louis, Louis Public Schools, Giles for America's graduates. And XFL on the resume. We talked about this on the TV side last week. Your thoughts as they kind of reboot it. Now, last time they tried a lot. Maybe they tried too hard the mm-hmm. last time. What do you think this time around? Again, just too too much uh, into the marketing when you talk about the, the gimmicks and trying to get all those different things involved when you try to combine the wrestling with with the, the football. I think that was just too much. And, and any time that you go against the NFL, you know, and, and you make it publicly known, that's never a good thing. But when they really come back and focus, because the product was good, you still had a bunch of guys that actually played in the NFL, didn't make a roster in the fall, got ready in the winter, and then end up playing in the spring. And so I think if they take that same format and they really good, get good coaches in there that know players and can, and can recruit players and get, get good quarterbacks at those positions, because at the end of the day, I mean, this is a quarterback-driven sport. And, and that's what people want to see. They want to see scoring. They want to be able to see – guys making plays and you have to have that at that put that particular position and so i think that's one of the the major things good front office people that that actually can run the organizations really well because we fortunate we had drew pearson at uh the new york new new jersey hitman when i was there and and it was run like a first class organization we practiced at the giants facility so which made us feel like you know we were really in the nfl because we actually had access to all those things so i think those things are important and and really really making it that it's this is the fans team you know not that we're trying to do something that's that's extraordinary but this is your team st louis this is your team and so to get people behind that because when you think about all the things that they did bring the xfl has really been innovative with all the different camera angles and views that we now have in nfl because the, you know the the back camera angle the one that zips down the line the some of the umpire camera angles, all those started in the XFL. No, you're right. I'd forgotten about that. A lot of the on-field yes. footage that you see now as it's happening, yes. that was sort of a st- – and we kind of laughed at it back then, like, oh, what, are <laughs> right. they, what a gimmick, and now it's something we're just accustomed to. I'm doing the research here. How fast were you back in the day, and what are your track records in oh, terms gosh. of Ohio State? But also, do you have a, an NCAA record as part of a relay still? Yeah. Well, actually, they broke that record this year. Okay. Uh, they, they broke the record. I did uh, currently – well, previously owned the – the four by one Big Ten record, I think we ran forty no, thirty eight, ninety three. 
when uh, and, and, you know we had some gr- some great times there. I was fortunate to run with three or actually four football players myself, uh, Robert Smith, Aaron Payne, who was a football player, but ended up walking on for track, and Chris Sanders. We were all football players, and so we had won the Big Ten championship in in 1993, and that hadn't been done uh, before, and so we were very fortunate. But uh, my fastest forty time was like four two nine. Uh, which is something insane that I can't think about it now. I probably couldn't do that. Well, we're t- both wearing like sweat clothes. You want to go outside? <laughs> yeah. We could dust these things off and let's have a little race. I, don't know. I think I, I think you guys might get me, man. I'm, mm, I'm, I need to yeah. stretch out a little bit now. <laughs> I can still run a little bit, you know. But that was my fastest, and uh, you know, just again, you know, the thing that that I always remember and I'm really really proud about is that when I came to Ohio State, they had this board in the weight room with a, you know, and in red was everybody that had the you know if it was hang clean bench squat whatever whoever had the the record for the team in school history had their picture in red and after my freshman year i broke the the 40-yard dash record and so to be from st louis and to actually have you know the the 40 record at ohio state and it was it was there until joey joey galloway broke it like five years later and and i never ran i just ran it once my my uh my freshman year because that's when we got tested in the winter and then I continued to run track after that, but um then Joy broke it but it was a tremendous honor to be able to have that and just to say you know I was the fastest at Ohio State for a long time at least while I was there, and and Joy actually when we would test when the NFL scouts would come in he wanted me to kind of run alongside of him so he can get that but it it, it was a, a tremendous honor to be able to have that. Was Joey Galloway just a freak of nature? I remember reading. Couldn't he bench like five hundred and also yeah. run like a four two five forty? Yeah, just just a freak, man. Just super strong. I mean, probably I don't know what his squat was, but he he could squat something uh, ridiculous and bench something ridiculous as well. And then he would run, you know would run. And like I said, he was he was one of those guys that uh, you know that you looked at and say, you know, okay, this guy's he's a real deal. And and, and I remember as fast as I was coming back after playing. I think my first year in the NFL, we would we would come back and work out with our strength and conditioning conditioning coach uh, coach uh, coach Kennedy, uh, who got us all ready. But I remember him pairing me up with Joy Galloway as we were running like sixties with parachutes on, and I just remember saying to Joy, like, "Man, you're fast," you know, like I'm like, <laughs> like man, like I know that I'm fast, and just to see his first. 10 yards were uh, were incredible. So, yeah, we had a lot of speed and talent back then, a lot of speed. Butler, thanks for stopping by. A lot of fun football talk this weekend. Championship Sunday, as Charlie mentioned, Fox 2 has the early game. Saints and Rams, I think the coverage is at noon. Kickoff is at 2.05. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman on the call. Winner moving on to the Super Bowl. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, guys. A right, little blues breakdown with Chuck Marler, our hockey insider. Some Billiken talk all ahead here. Midday grind, coveted hour. One of our great sponsors is Offenberg Hyundai. They're located in O'Fallon, Illinois. If you're in the market for a brand-new car, of course, they've got great-looking vehicles that Hyundai makes, but they also have a great selection of pre-owned vehicles on the lot, on the web, OffenbergHyundai.com. Check out those cars, and if you need a specific vehicle, you've been online doing the research, you let them know. Full-time buyer on staff means they can find the car for you. Give them the year, the make, the model, they'll get the car, and then you get the great service that the Offenberg name has been about four years. OffenbergHyundai.com in person. It's O'Fallon, Illinois. That's Highway 64, about 10, 15 minutes from downtown St. Louis. Greenmount Road is the exit.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.